We have the best government money can buy. Pretty topical, current events and all. Well, there's truly nothing new under the sun because we were warned about selling our government decades ago by Mark Twain. And that's the truth. And we're TNN, the Truth News Network. And your master of the real world is Dan Newman. Kind of looking deep into factual space. Wanting to get you some hardcore facts today. And that's what we are bringing to this show, TNN Live, our Monday edition. And the world is full of wonderment. Everybody on planet Earth is trying to figure out what the heck is going on everywhere across the globe. I mean, everything's in uproar. I don't know a single place, not a single country. There probably is one or two, I mean, after all. We're talking about almost 200 countries on the planet. There's got to be one or two out there that everything's just kind of cool and smooth. But most of Earth is in an uproar. And it seems like politics are at the seat of all of it. I mean, think about it. What is politics really all about? It's supposed to be about governing coming up with and finding people that will represent the people of these various nations and what the people's desires are. And then these people that are elected or appointed or whatever their position is, they're supposed to go to work for the people they represent. There's the rub. Not only in the United States, but in almost every country on the planet, people in government don't really work for the people of the country. Well, they'll do enough to uh, get reelected every few years. I mean, after all, they want to keep those cushy jobs in Washington and maybe in London and Paris and other cities, capital cities around the world. There's a lot of benefits that go along with being in political power. I think we're seeing that play out in a desperate way today. I mean, Monday the last day of July. It is playing out before our very eyes. We are going to dig into much of it. And what's on our uh, what's on our agenda today? Of course, we're going to go to Congress. We'll talk about what's coming up in the House Oversight Committee in just a matter of an hour or so. We'll also talk about President Biden and what's up with him. I know this will shock you, but he's at Rehoboth, Delaware. You know where that is? You know where New Jersey is. New Jersey, you know where Manhattan, the map just kind of comes in towards the left if you're looking at it, north up top and south down at the bottom, kind of comes in from the northeast down. New Jersey extends down below Manhattan, and then down across that body of water is Rehoboth Beach in Delaware. That's a great place to go. Take a vacation. Don't you agree? Well, our president, in his time as our president, he has now spent a documented 39% of his time as elected president on vacation. And much of it is at Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. He's really got a lot on his mind today, as does his son. We're going to get into what's going on in the Oversight Committee 
We're also going to look at what led up to it specifically. We've got a lot of details to fill in with, so you're going to want to buckle down. You're going to want to make sure you don't miss any of today's show because there's a bunch of good, there's a bunch of bad. (laughs) We throw it all in the same pot, we stir it up, and we find the facts. And after all, aren't you smart enough to take facts and determine where they really impact you? You don't need to rely on, oh, I don't know, me. You can do it yourself, so why don't we just do this? We're going to serve up a bowl of cereal facts to you today, and then you draw your own conclusions. How about that? And why don't we start with a little um, earth, wind, and fire? Put a little pepper in your morning, and I promise you, if you're at the makeup table getting ready to go, your feet are going to move at least. This is a great song.
kind of like this ending of this song. Earth, Wind, and Fire, 89. You remember 89? Was it 89 or 79? Maybe 79 and 80. That was the era of disco. And boy, Earth, Wind, and Fire, they they just fit the bill. Well, welcome to Monday. Welcome to a brand new week, a new day, and a new story or two or three or four here at TNN Live. And of course, the big, big, big one of the day is we are anticipating a big oversight committee hearing that is going to happen without us looking in. It's closed door meeting, and it's a very important one. What is it all about? Well, you know by now who Devin Archer is. Devin Archer is the guy that is going to testify to the House Oversight Committee. Now, what is this all about? If you've been living under a rock or maybe been out of the country for a week or two, you may not know all of this. But let me tell you what it is. Devin Archer, who is one of, if not Hunter Biden's best friend of all time, one of his best friends, he today plans to testify before the House Oversight Committee. Closed door hearing. He's going to say, testify that Hunter allegedly had then-Vice President Joe Biden on speakerphone during meetings with his foreign business partners, Devin and Hunter's foreign business partners, multiple times. Archer's now has been in hiding, we heard last week, after he got a bunch of threats leading up to this bombshell testimony. I wonder, I wonder who doesn't want him to testify. Hmm. I can think of one or two, maybe three people. But then, to really cap it off, on Saturday, listen to this, on Saturday, this never happens. The federal government doesn't work on Saturday. Many people say federal government, the people in it, don't work much at all. But nevertheless, they were working diligently on Saturday. The Department of Justice sent a letter on Saturday to federal judges. They sent the letter encouraging the judges to stop Devin Archer from testifying because Devin Archer's always been, already been the subject of a, um, of a, um, a trial in which he was convicted of stealing about $60 million from a group of people in some investment scam, but he hasn't been picked up to serve his one-year sentence. And so the DOJ sent a letter to the judge in the case on Saturday encouraging that judge to jail Devin before he testifies today. Can you believe that? So here's what Devin's supposedly going to do. He's going to expose the Bidens and their long history of corruption. According to reports, he's going to detail how Biden met with dozens of Hunter's business contacts while he was still vice president. Archer's also going to expose how Hunter introduced his father to a bunch of prospective investors. Archer is appearing before the House Oversight Committee. He's reportedly going to tell lawmakers that President Biden met with dozens of Hunter's business associates while Joe was vice president between 2009 
all the way up to 2017. Of course, Joe was out of office then. Archer is expected to detail the meetings that he personally witnessed that both Bidens attended, either in person, and we understand there were in-person meetings between Joe and all those henchmen that worked with Hunter, and also on telephone calls. Archer is going to testify that Hunter would specifically introduce his father to foreign business partners and or prospective investors. Does any of that surprise you? I mean, that is the way government in the United States of America rolls. And to make it even more obvious is what the DOJ did on Saturday. Let me tell you my gut feeling about that one thing. It doesn't surprise me that somebody stepped out and This guy, he's been in all kind of trouble, much of it at the behest of Hunter Biden. And he's basically saying, look, I got busted. I went to trial. I was convicted. I'm ready to clear the air and start something new. And to start something new and clear the air to him is basically to come forward and tell the truth about the Biden stuff. I don't know what I'm about to tell you is factual, but I would bet you that a huge portion of Devin Archer's reasoning that's leading him to testimony today is because he's looking in and he's seeing even more crud that Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden pulled off than Devin even knew about. And Devin Archer got busted. Why should Hunter Biden get a free pass for everything. And of course, over the weekend, the president was seen whiling away the afternoon on Saturday on the beach as the Department of Justice was trying to jail Devin Archer on the eve of that closed-door testimony coming up in a little bit. Biden appeared the picture of calm down on Rehoboth Beach in Delaware. Just a day before Hunter's best friend Devin is going to implicate Joe and his son's foreign business schemes. Thoughts are, here's what Archer's going to do. He's going to provide details that are going to challenge the White House's insistence that Joe never had any knowledge or any involvement at all in Hunter's business affairs. And there are pictures galore that show Hunter and Joe and other people meeting these so-called investors, these people around the world that spent a bunch of money to allegedly with the Biden family syndicate. One source that's very close to Archer confirmed reports that he's set to testify about meetings he attended with those people. They're saying that Archer is in hiding because he was receiving threats about his testimony. Republicans in the House Oversight Committee, they say his account is critical in their investigation as the DOJ pushes for Archer to go to prison. So, guess what happened yesterday? (laughs) The DOJ heard all the noise and saw all of the uproar about that letter they sent to the judge on Saturday about stopping Devin from testifying today. And in a stunning development, 
that further underscores the politicizing of the federal law enforcement apparatus, places like, you know, the FBI and the Department of Justice. Biden's DOJ's accused of witness intimidation over a threat to Hunter Biden's former business partner on the evening of his testimony. And so the DOJ, they said, nah, we're not going to do it. We're not going to go after it. We understand, you know, it doesn't look right, even though we had every right to push for it. It doesn't look right. So we're going to say, just let the chips fall where they may. And I'm sure Joe didn't enjoy getting that news down at Rehoboth Beach. Now, let me give you a little insight about the relationship between Hunter and Devin. They were best friends for many, many, many years. Archer, let me, let me just give you, and I'm going to have to edit heavily some of the back and forth in this messaging because it's pretty rank. So Hunter said this. Wait a minute. Let me, let me make sure it's Hunter. Uh, da, 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 da. No, Devin informed Hunter in a text, November of 2018. He said, quote, the judge threw out my conviction today. And the response from Hunter, thank effing God. First good news in way too long, my friend. I'm so happy for you. I know it's been a living hell, but put it behind you now and take great steps forward, Hunter said. Love you, brother, Archer replied. Hunter then appeared to refer to the DOJ as mother effers and said he and Arch Archer will have the last laugh. I swear to God we'll have the last laugh, Hunter said. I know, and I mean it. Can I please come see you now that I'm not a felon, Archer said? Don't answer that. Just when and where. Hunter joked that he liked Archer better as a felon <laughs> and that he was in Newburyport, Massachusetts for the next week, but to give him a call. So U.S. District Judge Ronnie Abrams, who's in Manhattan, he ruled that day, the conversation that Hunter and Archer were having, the judge ruled that day that evidence that was presented earlier that year against Archer didn't show that he knew the bond issue was fraudulent or that he received any personal benefit from him. Abrams added, she was left with an unwavering concern that Archer is innocent of the crimes that he was being charged with. The 2018 text exchange and thousands of other emails between Hunter, Archer, and dozens of their mutual business associates over the course of a decade are going to be front and center today as Archer comes in before the House Oversight Committee. I'm just wondering how much on one day are they going to be able to get covered? Because everybody, I mean, you've got a bunch of Democrats on the House Oversight Committee. It's controlled by the Republicans. Republicans hold a majority on the committee, but they're going to they're gonna step up and do anything and everything they can to throw curveballs at Archer because they want him to shut up. They don't want Biden getting any deeper in this saga than he already is. You know why? We've got an election, a presidential election coming up in 16 months. And if Joe can't pull it off, they don't have anybody in line ready to go that could do it, and they would lose the White House. 
Think about what kind of monkey wrench that would be for the Democrat Party right now. I mean, they already lost the House. They weren't expecting to lose the House. Nancy Pelosi didn't pull it off for them. Well, they did. So they've got a slim majority in the Senate. And, of course, Joe in the White House, if they lose the White House, they're thinking, oh, my God, look how bad it could be for us. It could really be bad. And here's what's going on. Here's what's finally happening. You've heard me use this illustration multiple times. Remember when Donald Trump, when he was elected, that January 20th when he went to take the oath of office, what he did was he went in the kitchen in the middle of the night and turned the light on and the roaches started scrambling. If Joe can't pull this off and put it behind him, or if for any reason whatsoever, he's not going to either run for or win the presidency next year, whoever does is going to turn the lights on. And we're going to see those roaches scrambling for cover again. I, for one, can't wait. So Miranda Devine over the weekend, you know who she is. She's a top reporter at the New York Post. She's the one that broke a lot of the original stuff about Hunter's laptop. And it was diminished by every one of the major news networks, every Democrat. Oh, it's Russian disinformation. Remember those 53 former intelligence experts? They all signed that letter that said it wasn't real. And then, of course, the New York Times, of all places, was the first one to come in and say, we've investigated it. It's all real. Miranda Devine, over the weekend, she weighed in. She weighed in. There have been a lot of people that question whether or not Devin Archer was going to testify today. Hear her. Here are Miranda Devine's thoughts on that. Yes, look, I believe so. Um, I know that there, there was a lot of toing and froing and dates put up over the last two weeks and they never really settled on one day, but they did settle on this Monday, July 31st, and so I believe that's going ahead. And I don't think Devin Archer wants to put it off again because, uh, you know, he's suffering from death threats and has had to leave his home and uh, it's all very awkward for him. So I think that... Um, you know, chances are he's just going to want to get it over and done with. And, of course, Congress goes into their August recess shortly. So uh, I think on both sides there's a desire to get it out of the way. And, uh, you know, as I previewed on Monday, um, what Devin Archer is expected to tell uh, Congress and the Oversight Committee is pretty uh, damaging to Joe Biden because it just blows up his entire story about knowing nothing about his son Hunter's, Hunter's overseas business dealings. Um, and uh, here we've got Devin Archer saying that, well, Joe Biden was dialed in by Hunter on speakerphone on up to two dozen occasions to speak with his overseas business partners, uh, that Joe Biden came along to 
uh, two dinners at least at Cafe Milano in Georgetown, again to meet Hunter Biden's business partners, again while he was vice president. So it's very difficult for Joe Biden to sort of continue to stonewall. I noticed that the White House has changed their form of words. Now yep. they're saying Joe Biden is not in business with his son. But, you know, that wasn't the question. That's really leapt forward a, a good deal. Totally. And we have the reporting from various sources about some of these in-person meetings. We have uh, the testimony and the public statements on the record from Tony Bobulinski, who is another man in this realm, connected to this family and their business. And then Devin Archer, you used the word awkward. This is going to be awkward for him. Why is that? Explain his relationship to this family and why his level of knowledge is important here. Devin Archer was uh, Hunter Biden's best friend in business. They met at Yale and uh, they were in business together uh, and friendship together for many years throughout Joe Biden's vice presidency. And uh, they made a fair amount of money together. And then um, eventually uh, uh, Devin Archer came unstuck with um, their last joint venture, which was this company called Burnham, which ended up uh, dissolving into um, fraud convictions for numerous people involved, uh, other than Hunter Biden, even though Hunter Biden was listed, I think, as vice chairman and earned a couple of hundred thousand dollars. Hmm. Um, and Devin Archer lost millions of dollars on the deal. He's the one going to jail. And I think uh, you know, he would feel fairly bitter about that. I know friends around him say that he feels that he's just been abandoned by the Bidens, having been promised by Hunter that he was family, that he was blood, that he was a part of a great family, the Bidens, who would never abandon him. And uh, I think that's the opposite that has happened to Devon Archer. So With he's got nothing family. to lose, really. Yeah. I was going to say that family, the Biden family, it's hard to exactly track how much money flowed into their various accounts and coffers. A lot of it was disguised through shell corporations and very complex transactions over the course of many years. Nancy Mace, who's a Republican congresswoman from South Carolina, she ballparked at least one figure. Here's what she said. Listen. Based on the evidence I've seen so far, I think the number is going to be north of $50 million that we're talking about here. This will go down as one of the most politically corrupt presidents and families in U.S. history. And we've got to show and prove it to the American people. We've got to show them everything that we have. So, Miranda, we know that the Oversight Committee has presented some evidence, like bank records of this. What, nine different members of the family getting payments? And it's totally unclear in many cases why they were paid, what the services rendered were, at the very least, you would think this should get the attention and sort of raise the curiosity of people beyond conservatives and Republicans. Well, uh, absolutely. And look, we have the testimony from two IRS whistleblowers who were the two uh, investigators looking into Hunter Biden for five years. Uh, they, they trawled over his documents and bank statements and they had subpoena power and so on uh, from 2014 to 2019. And what they found was 17 million, a little bit more, um, that flowed through and of to, to various family members and associates uh, from China and Russia and 
Romania and so on, uh, Kazakhstan. And um, from that, they counted 8.3 million uh, to Hunter. Now, there may be other money that we don't know about, and there may have been earlier money, but um, certainly, you know, does it really matter if it's, uh, you know, $10,000 or $50 million? It's still money that uh, came through in very um, suspicious circumstances. And you know, which revolved around Joe Biden, the then vice president, the power and influence that he wielded in the countries that were coughing up all this money. So that's where it becomes relevant today to the fact that you have a president sitting in the Oval Office who may be compromised uh, in the eyes of those countries uh, that spent all that money on his various family members. I was just sitting here listening to that uh, back and forth with Miranda Devine, and my mind started wondering, thinking about Joe's specific actions that he's taken during all of this. I can't remember which movie it was. I know it was the first one, the John Clancy movie. Remember when Harrison Ford played, uh, he was in national security. I think it was CIA. I don't know, but he was Dr. Dr. Jones or whatever. You remember that one? And the president at the time had a good friend, a multimillionaire, that as it turns out at the top of the show, the multimillionaire was on his yacht down in the Caribbean somewhere and drug, I guess, mafia types raided that boat and slaughtered everybody, including the president's friend on that, because apparently... The multimillionaire was in the drug business and got crossways with these uh, cartel people and they killed him and all his family members. So it was a national scandal. And so there was a meeting in the Oval Office and Harrison Ford, in his role, he was new at this and he was in the Oval Office and they were all pontificating about how the president should respond about his personal relationship with this guy that turns out was a cartel guy. And everybody was warning the president to put distance between himself and this other guy. And Harrison Ford weighed in and said, no, that's absolutely wrong. He said, if the press ask you, was he your friend, Mr. President, you should say, oh, no, he wasn't just my friend. He was a close friend. And then if they ask you, did you know him for a long time? The people in the room were saying, oh, no, just say it was a casual thing. Harrison Ford said, no, Mr. President, what you should say is we're lifelong friends, and I know him. I knew him well. In other words, putting people off because they are already in the media. You know this. They've drawn their conclusions. Right now in all this stuff, all you got to do is watch the news in the evening. Not even the evening, during the day. You turn on CNN or MSNBC or even Fox News during the day-to-day as this oversight committee hearing with Devin Archer, it's supposed to go on. We're not going to see anything, but we'll hear bits and pieces. And we're told that the transcript is going to be released of what happens in this later today or tomorrow. I don't know if it will, but that's what they're telling us. And you watch. I think President Biden messed up in the very beginning, the first time he was confronted, when he was running for president, 
when he first just started campaigning, he was asked about his relationship, business relationship, with Hunter Biden and how much of Hunter Biden's business stuff did Joe know about. And Joe immediately, and he's been consistent all the way through, every time he says, no, I didn't have anything to do. I didn't talk to any of those people. I wasn't around. And he's gotten busted. And all he would have had to do was just say, yeah, I met with him. What father wouldn't meet with his son's business people if he wanted them to? Jesse Waters over the weekend, he pointed back to a show he did previously about how Joe responded to media right outside the White House. This was when Joe would meet with the press, you know, when he was walking out the White House and going to uh, the, the helicopter to get on and fly out and then get on Air Force One, and he would spend a minute or two talking to some of the press. He doesn't do that anymore. And maybe this response that Jesse brought back to my attention is the reason Joe's people got him to quit doing it. Listen to the president as he responds to the reporter asking him that same question. Did he know anything about his son's business dealings? But when you're the president of the United States, you have to channel your emotions strategically. You can't just snap out of the blue. And today, that's what Joe Biden did. He lost control, and the whole country got a taste of his rage. President Biden, how involved were you in your son's Chinese shakedown text message? Were you sitting there? Were you involved? No, I wasn't. I don't know. Were you? No. Whoa. That was a warning shot. The press finally hit a nerve, and Joe Biden just sent a message. Don't you ever ask me that question again. This is an important moment in history right now. The press cannot buckle. The free press cannot wilt because the commander-in-chief tries to scare you out of following the facts. Now, I'm young enough. I'm old enough. That's what I need to say to remember Watergate, the Richard Nixon years. And Richard Nixon was a liar, but he wasn't a good liar. Joe Biden's a liar, and he's not a good liar either. He can't sell the story. He's failed miserably every time. And because of that now, Joe's past the point of being able to make any return and get out of this. He can't come back now and undo all the things that he said dozens and dozens of times to the media. No! And he screamed and hollered at that particular news person that asked him that question. They just keep digging and digging and digging. He should have doubled down and said yes the first time. And they wouldn't be asking him over and over and over again about it. If he'd have said, yeah, I knew some of the stuff that was going on. He's my son. Every father wants to have a communication chain open with their children. If he had just gone down this that way, he wouldn't be facing what he's facing now. So what is Joe Biden facing? Well, the I word has popped up, especially getting louder and louder over the past few weeks. And so one poll agency went out over the weekend and started asking Americans some questions. This is the tip poll, which is pretty gar, uh, darn good polling agency that they really get good results. So they asked this, if any charges are shown to be true 
in the Joe Biden syndicate thing. Can Biden weather the ensuing political storm or will he face a choice of impeachment or resignation just like Richard Nixon and thereby force the Democrats to find a new standard bearer in 2024? 1,341 voting, registered voting adults responded. And here's what they said. 1,341 of them. 63% said that President Biden should either be impeached, that's 33%, or resign immediately, that one was 30%, if the charges are proven to be true. Just 20% said Biden should stay in office and run again in 2024 if he wants to. Only 17% said they weren't sure. So when you break down the polling information further, the data suggests big political trouble lurking for Biden as more and more revelations are coming out from ongoing congressional and DOJ investigations. It's no surprise that 85% of Republicans think Biden should be impeached or quit if the charges are true. Any presidential candidate in 2024 must have electoral support from independents to win. And that applies to either party. However, independents break 64% for Biden's removal from office through impeachment or resignation. 64% of independents. Another 15% say he should be able to run again. 21% say they're not sure. But it's within his own party that Biden will truly have a tough time making a case for term number two. Democrats, by a plurality of 45%, when asked if he should be impeached or resign, 45% to 35% stay in office and run again, believe it would be best for Biden to leave office either by being impeached or by resigning if the charges are proven to be true. In short, virtually every major demo group Demographic group says Biden should ride off into the sunset if the evidence shows he, any of his family members, took money from foreign powers while he was in office as VP and possibly, and this one's coming around, he may have gotten foreign money after he became president. Right now, evidence of the wrongdoing is piling up at least if recent testimony on Hunter Biden's own plea deal are to be believed. In some some way, somehow, sometime, Americans got to start believing with what we're seeing documented proof of. Jonathan Turley, George Washington University law professor, he noted, starting with his campaign for the presidency and continuing until recently, President Biden has maintained one clear and consistent position on his son's influence peddling schemes. As a virtual mantra, Biden and the White House staff have categorically maintained he had no knowledge of any foreign dealings of his son. Yet, think about this. Hunter himself admitted in court during that plea deal hearing that fell apart last week that he received over half a million dollars from a company that had links to the Chinese Communist Party. 
And that, Hunter saying that, that contradicts what Joe's earlier claim said that no one in the Biden family made any money from China. This is a quote from the president. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about what are you talking about China? Now that was during a debate. Biden was speaking to President Trump. That was in 2020. The only guy who made money from China is this guy. And he pointed to Trump. He's the only one. Nobody else has made money from China. I guess maybe what Joe was meaning was Donald had hotel properties over there. So he was making money. (laughs) Joe was getting money. He didn't make it. (laughs) He just got it. Hunter requested $10 million from his Chinese partners in that CEFC energy firm because, as Hunter noted, the Bidens do exactly what the chairman of CEFC wants. In this case, the chairman, CEFC's chairman, Yi Ming, who we know paid Hunter a $1 million retainer fee for legal services back in 2017. Hunter also got a big diamond from Yi in February of 2017 worth an estimated $80,000. That's just one instance of Biden's alleged money-making from his official positions in government. Will we ever know? Will we ever know how much money that was made and who specifically in the family actually ended up with money? I think we're going to. And this is going, if, if it, it, let me just say this, if 50% of what has been reported and the 50% that has been proven from multiple sources, if half of it is true, this is going to go down as the most corrupt presidential administration in American history. I promise you that. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. We design smarter ways to detect motion for emergency dispatch in seconds. We create HD cameras so you can see what's happening in your home from anywhere. All powered by Fast Protect technology, exclusively from Simply Safe for faster police response. Because in here, your safety is the only thing that matters. Advanced home security, 24/7 professional monitoring. There's no safe like Simply Safe. In the steel industry, we dedicate our careers to supporting this country, making products to build infrastructure and skylines, creating jobs, supporting families. And when domestic materials are used, the money stays in our communities. That's what really matters. These people, these places, that's worth supporting. We got you something. It's a deep, deep dish pepperoni and bacon pizza. And we gift wrapped it with over three and a half feet of bacon. You've been working so hard. We love you. Get a Little Caesars large bacon wrapped deep, deep dish pizza for just 12 bucks. Try our convenient app and pizza portal pickup. Pizza, pizza. Raid Shadow Legends. I mean, (laughs) you pick your champions. They're glorious. And their shields, oh, they glisten like uh, wet otters. But the bad guys, they're Lovecraftian. They're spooky. They're um, um, big. And then you go to battle. And it's like... 
Then finally, your foe is vanquished, and that satisfaction is such a primal feeling. Ooh. Download Raid Shadow Legends. Play for free. The verdict is in. Good time. What do you think she spent the money on? Lipo and a butt drop. You got as long as you need to respond to that. Judge Steve Harvey, new Tuesday on ABC. Let me tell you something. If you want a good laugh, let's say you still got some summer left. I mean, we're not to August yet. You're going to be on the road going to vacation. If you're lucky, this will be your second or third time to do so this summer. And while you're driving, you're looking for something to listen to. One of the funniest stand-up comics there is and fun to listen to and his live stuff is Steve Harvey. You can go to YouTube and download as much as many hours as you want, but you will laugh your butt off in the car. And his stuff is almost totally clean, so even kids can listen to it. He's a really funny guy. On another note, has something to do with it. We have something at our house that Marianne and I have both gotten into. Are you familiar with Wordle? Wordle, W-O, I think it's R-D-L-E. Let me look real quick. I want to make sure I spell it right. I'm usually pretty good at spelling. New York Times, they have a page with a bunch of different games on, and it's W-R-D-L-E. If you haven't played it, it's free. You can go on, and what it is, there's a square. Looks looks like a crossword puzzle square, but it has five lines across, five boxes across, and one, two, three, four, five, six boxes down. And here's how you play the game. you got to come up with a word that's five letters long. And they don't give you any clues. There are no clues. You have to guess. So you enter on the first line a five-letter word, and after you enter it, it'll tell you if that's the right word or not. But what it does, if you get any of the letters, the five boxes that you put in there, if they're in the exact perfect spot, that box will turn green. If it's not one of the letters in the word, the box stays white, just empty. But if it is a letter that goes in that word, the five-letter word, but it's out of position, the box goes yellow, and you have six chances before you bust. It has really become, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a good family thing. Your kids can get involved in it. It stretches your mind. And when you get old like me, By the way, on Saturday, I became a septuagenarian. I had my 70th birthday. And I need to find things to stretch my memory and keep me being creative in my thinking. And so I play play Wordle every day. And so Marianne does too. And she's sharp. She gets this kind of stuff. And she's a game player more so than I am. And uh, our tit for tat with each other about Wordle is which one gets the word, that day's word, in the least number of guesses. You can only guess six and then you're out and they'll tell you what the word is. But check it out, W-R-D-L-E, Wordle, and it's under NYT, New York Times Games. You can go online and download the app. It's absolutely free. I don't know why I've never told you about that. 
Well, with all this Joe Biden, Hunter Biden stuff going on, somebody that's really important in our government just seems to be getting a free pass. That's our borders are. Well, who is our border? Is that Alejandro Mayorkas? Well, Alejandro Mayorkas thinks he's the vice president of border czar, but no, he's not the named border czar. Our president, the day after he was inaugurated, he named Vice President Kamala Harris our border czar. And of course, she came out the next day and she clarified it to everybody. She's not responsible of the stuff at the border. Her task was to go to the Central American countries and meet with leaders there to find out what we as a nation could do to help their people not need to immigrate illegally into the United States. That was what she was supposed to be doing. So, over the weekend, she kind of got into the border czar illegal immigration thing, but it wasn't about a positive thing to help out. She's been given, by the way, a complete pass by the media in her so-called border czar role. They don't ask her anything. But over the weekend, she was asked about Republican governors who are busing illegals to Democrat-run cities around the country, and she deemed those actions by these governors as irresponsible, her word, irresponsible. Now, let's put that in perspective. Ignoring the fact that a record number of illegals have crossed into America under her watch, she spoke against using these migrants as pawns in a political game. I wonder if she saw the irony in her saying that. These governors are using these pawns in a political game. No, they're not, to be honest with you. They got they don't have the capacity in these cities. Look at the size of the cities along the southern border, with the exception of San Diego. But you go to Arizona and New Mexico and Texas. There are not monster cities along the southern border that have all kinds of infrastructure. And they're certainly not wealthy cities either. But the Biden administration, which includes the border czar, Kamala Harris, they don't care. They don't have a clue. So some of these governors down there, they've requested assistance from D.C. And the principal way to stop all this mess would be if the feds would just enforce immigration laws that Joe Biden was part of passing when he was in the U.S. Senate and was a very staunch pusher of border security when he was a U.S. Senator. It only became expedient for him to get these illegals when he started campaigning for president and somebody convinced him Look at all the money that's out there, Joe. Look at what we can get from these big institutional agriculture companies that want all these illegals to come up and keep them flying below the radar screen so they can pay them under the table, pay them less than they would pay for legal U.S. citizens to hold the same jobs. If you ever wonder why anybody in Congress or any other part of the government does anything and it just kind of looks funny, 
always follow the money that's in it. That will always give you the reason why. So she's ignored, Vice President had, that a record number of illegals have crossed into our nation under her watch. She spoke out against using these migrants as pawns in a political game. And this was during an interview with ABC News Live, which was blaming the human invasion on the southern border on the lack of immigration reform legislation. So first of all, let's agree, she said, that people should not be the pawns in a political game. Human beings should not be treated as pawns in a political game. She said that twice. What is happening in terms of sending these migrants, most of whom had to flee great harm, and sending them across the country for the sake of some political showmanship, it's just irresponsible. If you want to deal with the problem, she said, then do it. If you're a leader, by participating in the solution, she said. And one very clear solution, very significant solution, has been in front of us for years now. We need to pass immigration reform. Keep in mind that the Biden administration has been flying illegal immigrants around the country all along in the dark of night. And they're doing that to alleviate the pressure on Border Patrol facilities that are dealing with the historic levels of foreign nationals crossing illegally into the country. Maybe Kamala didn't get that email that said, hey, 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 Kamala, be careful. We've been flying these immigrants around the country since you've been vice president. Texas has been overwhelmed by the Biden administration's open border policies. The state and its overrun border towns bearing the full effects of millions of illegals set on invading America. And all of that. And immigration laws be damned. They don't care about it. You know what would fix the whole thing? If Joe Biden, if Kamala Harris, if Alejandro Mayorkas, if they would just enforce the rule of law, which is what they all declared they were going to do in their oaths of office. Governor Greg Abbott of Texas decided to relieve some of the pressure that applies to his state by sending busloads of migrants to New York City and Washington, D.C. and Chicago among other places. His logic being that these sanctuary cities, they call themselves sanctuary cities. New York, Washington, D.C., Chicago. Oh, yeah, we've got big hearts up here. And then when illegal aliens start showing up in there, they get mad. We don't have the infrastructure for that. They don't give a rip about what Texas has been doing in Arizona, New Mexico, and California for years under Joe Biden and his illegals that are flooding 5 million, 5 million since he's been president, and that number is probably too low. Twitter went crazy about Kamala Harris when she said these things. I won't even read. I won't even read what's some of those. They're just too common sense. What air does Kamala Harris breathe that's different from what I breathe? Because I don't think like her. 
Thank goodness I don't think like her. <sighs> Politicization of everything. Ann Carlson. Have you heard that name? You're going you're gonna to need to listen to this. Ann, I'll tell you who she is. Acting Administrator of the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, NHTSA. She has a history of advocating for policies that force changes in consumer behavior in order to fight what? What's the common cause now? Everybody on the left buys into climate change. So a new rule proposal came out of the NHTSA, and it could raise upfront vehicle costs by up to $1,000. On top of that, require American automobile manufacturers to effectively double their fleet's fuel economy by model year 2032. Now, I drive a 2017 vehicle, and it's a full-sized vehicle. I'll just go ahead and tell you, it's a Lincoln Continental, four-door Lincoln Continental. There's a whole story that came with me getting it. I won't, I won't waste your time. But it's a really, it's one of the best cars I've ever had. And when I get that car, you know, it's got the computer system on the dashboard where it keeps up with all kind of stats. And the first day I, I set it up and it keeps my uh, gas mileage. And there are a couple of different settings on it, but I keep the one in place so that every mile that I've driven, and I've driven a lot of miles on this car. This number just shocked me. I used to change cars every two years. Leased them through my company, and I didn't drive Lincolns. I drove a a more luxury. I drove Mercedes S550s. And... uh, This is the best car I've ever had. It's better than the Mercedes. I think I had four or five or six of those in a row. And, of course, this has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but for some reason, Lincoln, year before last, they quit making these cars. only been out since 2017, and this is the best, most in-demand Lincoln Continental project that they've had in decades, I'm told. They're going all the way to SUVs or crossovers, no regular cars. So let me get back to this other thing. I, since mile number one, I know what my car's gas mileage has been for every one of the 102,000 miles I've put on that car since 2017. And its overall average is 24 miles to a gallon. Now that's combination of driving on the road where you all know you get better gas mileage and around town, but 24 miles to a gallon is what it averages for 100,000 plus miles. That's not bad gas mileage. This new rule that Ann Carlson has put out there, and Joe's going to try to put it in force, you've got to double the fuel economy by model year 2032. Is it realistic to think that I could actually drive a full-size sedan and it get 48 miles to the gallon? You and I both know that is insane. It'll never happen. 
bureaucrats like this Ann Carlson, they've believed for a long time punitive measures like higher prices, regulatory red tape are the best way to force their green new deal. And that's what this is all about. Carlson is formerly a professor at the University of California, Los Angeles, UCLA. Has a history of advocating for policies that could raise energy prices, burden us all with new and much higher cost on everything. Viewing those policies as an effective mechanism to alter consumer behavior to support the green energy transition. NHTSA proposed updates to the corporate average fuel economy. That's the CAFE standards. Put this out there on Friday, which would raise the cost of gas-powered vehicles for American consumers in the aim of reducing emissions and countering climate change. It's all about climate change. Now, I'm telling you about that to tell you this. Over the weekend, Ford Motor Company, they came out. Guess what they have done? They went all in, as President Biden wanted them to. I mean, all in. Elon Musk and Tesla is going to have nothing on Ford. We're going electric vehicles. And they just went all in. And guess what we found out over the weekend? Ford Motor Company has announced it is projected to lose $4.5 billion from electric vehicles this year. This year. Now, that's up from the previous projected loss of only $3 billion. The projected $4.5 billion loss is more than twice as much as Model E's $2.1 billion loss in 2022. They've already lost $2.1 billion in one year. The company recently announced the price of its electric F-150 Lightning pickup trucks are going to be reduced because of cheaper raw battery materials. Ford touted that its low EV prices establishes leadership ahead of industry's next-generation electric vehicles and that the Ford Model E's revenue is up 39%. Ford is also expected to produce 600,000 EVs per year by 2024. This is all about bureaucracy. It's all about the climate change and the Green New Deal, and getting into conformity. And then we find out the batteries in these cars got to be replaced, just like all batteries got to be replaced. And on the low end of them, when you go to replace them, you're talking about three grand, $3,000 to replace the batteries in your car. I just put a new battery in my Harley, my motorcycle. It was $120, and I almost choked. But on some Teslas, the batteries that have to be replaced every three years, and they're estimating, is 40 grand. Nobody wants to talk about that. Have you heard anybody? You see Tesla ads. Have you seen them touting, hey, 
batteries on a Tesla going to last up to three and a half years, and then you replace them. No, they're not going to talk about that. Joe Biden won't talk about it. Ann Carlson won't talk about it. It's all about making it look and sound good. Facts don't matter. Symbolism over substance. And if you got people thinking one way, hey, 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 that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what the facts are. The facts are going to show up sooner or later, and we're just going to deal with the facts when they show up. Plan for things? Well, we're the federal government. We don't plan for anything. We just push out what we think might be good for us and tell everybody that we're pushing it out to that it's going to for sure be good for them. And so just be quiet and do everything we tell you. Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth, only the truth, at TNN, the Truth News Network, at truthnewsnet.org. You need brake pads? We have brake pads. Like dependable brake pads, quieter brake pads, longer life brake pads, and performance brake pads. At AutoZone, we have all the brake pads you need so you can get the job done right. Get in the zone, AutoZone. So you guys grew up together? Yes, yeah, since third grade. What are you looking at? I wasn't not looking at it. We're not good enough for you. You look for something else? No, I, just, I don't know. What are you, big supermodels? Jesus. Supermodels. What do you model, gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Brad, eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies. So, losers. Stacy, relax. Oh, I'm sorry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance, and people love it. Of course, they love the savings they're going to get with Geico, but it goes beyond that. You deserve to save. (laughs) Heard that before. You deserve to save. I know. I need you to hear me. You deserve to save. I deserve to save. I mean, he has a way of making you feel seen. Bundle car and motorcycle insurance and save at geico.com. As politics grow ever more chaotic, remember this truth. When you're taking heavy flack, it usually means you're over the target. Open the Bombay doors. Truthnewsnet.org. Your pilot on this mission, Dan Newman. Pretty darn sure that um, we're over the target because there's flack everywhere. I mean everywhere. Something that just kind of frosted me during the weekend... Illinois, you I'm sure you know this, they have a very hard left governor, J.B. Pritzker. He's another one of those multimillionaires that has been very successful in business. And of course, that means he's qualified to excel in politics. But he is a hardcore leftist. Listen to what he's done. He over the weekend, I think it was Friday late, he signed into law a plan that allows foreign nationals who have work permits. And, of course, what Alejandro Mayorkas is doing, he's pushing for everybody that comes over that even just asks for one. They don't know who they are. They don't know anything about their background. Let's give them a work permit. So, Prisker signed into law a plan that allows these foreign nationals that get a work permit, no matter how, how they got it, they got a work permit, 
and some of them are illegal aliens, they will be allowed to become police officers in the Illinois National Guard, state police troop, and also local police departments. Democrat legislators with the supermajority in the Illinois House and Senate, they passed that legislation in June. It opens law enforcement jobs to thousands of illegals that are enrolled in DACA. You remember that one, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals? It's a program that was put together to protect these kids that were brought over by their parents. Thousands of other foreign nationals with work permits are in this category as well. An individual against whom immigration action has been deferred by the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services under the federal DACA process is allowed to apply for the position of police officer, deputy sheriff, or special policeman subject to specified requirements. That's from the actual legislation. Pritzker signed it into law takes effect immediately. Now, in the sanctuary state of California, Governor Gavin Newsom has made it possible for illegals to become cops on the local, county, and the state levels already. Illegals. Illegals. That law was implemented earlier this year. It requires only that officers have a work permit issued by the federal government. Work permits, specifically under Joe Biden's administration, are given out regularly to border crossers and illegal aliens who are just released willy-nilly into the U.S. after they cross the southern border. We don't know what they're bringing with them. We don't know who they are. But hey, we want to show them. We Americans, we're nice people, and we want to get you over here pay for everything for you, and make sure you understand that you, every time you vote, well, you're not a voter now? Don't worry about that. We're going to take care of that. Next time we get a majority in the House and the Senate, just hang tight. We're going to give you a job. You can become a cop. We're going to get you these work permits, not because you're qualified, don't know who the heck you are. You may have been a hardened criminal then before you got here, and you may be a hardened criminal now. But we're going to make you a cop so you get a gun and you get a paycheck twice a month. And these blatant, we're talking about the whole state of Illinois, the whole state of California. <laughs> I I have uh, I've driven in vehicles in both of those states, but I've ridden a lot more on the back of a Harley Davidson, and I'm just not comfortable about thinking that some of the people in law enforcement in those two states would be illegal immigrants. I just don't understand how that can be justified by any governor. Yet Gavin Newsom and the governor of Illinois, Pritzker, they've already done it. Meanwhile, guess who's getting in our public school systems? Communist China. Communist China, of all entities, they donated $17 million to influence students in our public schools. And after the fact, not 
when it was being discussed, but after the fact, Republicans are demanding answers. Parents Defending Education issued a report. It's called The Little Red Classrooms. And the report shows how the Chinese Communist Party is coordinating with U.S. schools to implement what they call Confucius Classrooms, which have, over time, included 143 school districts in 34 states in Washington, D.C. It's already there. Seven of those contracts with the CCP are still active in states like Kentucky, Minnesota, Oklahoma, Oregon, Texas, and Washington. CCP-connected financial institutions. They funnel these donations into K-12 schools through Confucius Institutes and other cultural and language programs out of China, according to this report. Can you believe this? Now, the U.S. is not officially part of China's infamous Belt and Road Initiative. Chinese state media, they're touting the work done by Confucius Institutes and Confucius classrooms to further the Chinese Communist Party's global influence. This infiltration has been happening since 2009. Can you believe that? They use grants and sister school partnerships to kind of dumb it down and make it look innocent. Parents Defending Education President Nikki Niley pointed out in a statement that the alarming evidence uncovered by the group's probe should concern parents, educators, and policymakers alike. 34 governors, key lawmakers, and committee chairs were given a copy of the report on Wednesday of last week. Representative Jim Banks of Indiana, he's demanding that the Department of Education act with urgency to put a stop to this disturbing chain of partnerships. In a letter sent to Miguel Cardona, Secretary of Education, Banks made it crystal clear that he expects action to be taken. The Chinese Communist Party is not a trustworthy partner. Accepting funding and influence from our greatest adversary is a threat to America's children and national security. That's from Jim Banks. The congressman stressed in his letter the U.S. has to take every measure to strengthen our defenses against China. That includes blocking their ability to propagandize in our schools, K-12 public schools. Banks noted, under former President Trump, the State Department designated Confucius Institutes a foreign mission, which facilitated the shutting down of some of these dangerous programs. And that happened. Mike Waltz, Republican rep in Florida, in an interview said, the report is alarming because we truly don't understand the full extent of communist China's meddling in our education system. Not only is the Chinese Communist Party trying to promote their propaganda through these education programs, but are using Chinese shell companies to outright buy American private schools around the country. Waltz wants states and the federal government to start cracking down on the targeting of our kids. 
I just cannot believe this stuff, this crap has been going on now since 2009 and we're just finding out about it. That makes you wonder, you know, we've, we've been told now Chinese entities and individuals have been buying up our land largely around our military installations. How in the heck did we allow that to happen? And how much money did the political entities where these transactions have been taking place, did the politicos in those areas get paid to greenlight those real estate transactions? Oh, and then the obvious other question, how much smarter than Joe Biden is Chinese President Xi Jinping? Because he's the one that put that whole thing together before he was even Chinese president. He was still in the government, worked his way up through. He's a really, really smart man. And I hadn't seen his IQ test, nor have I seen Joe's IQ test. But I'd be willing to bet right now, just based upon what I see and watch playing out, Xi Jinping's got a higher IQ than does Joe Biden. So let me ask you this. Do you ever listen to news outlets that are not conservative? Or at least they don't they don't live on the left. They'll give you both sides of the picture every once in a while. I force myself at least one time every day, not seven days a week, but the five days this show airs. I force myself to go over and spend a half hour or so looking at and listening to MSNBC, CNN, CNBC, CNBC to get the uh, leftist uh, business synopsis of the day. It's a stark slap in the face for me every day when I do this to listen to and see these announcers and the so-called experts they bring in in these various fields about all of the really important things that are going on in a nation and how different they think than do conservatives. So Joe Biden's out there. He's touting Bidenomics. And he's telling everybody how good and how great it is. And look, this is what we're going to do. And this is what is happening. And part of our plan was this included in all that kind of stuff. But he's talking about economic things that haven't happened yet. He hadn't even started them. There are plans to do this and plans to do that. And he's touting what a great economy we have because of the great work that he's done. And people like me, I'm a middle-class American that lives in the South. And when I look at my economic conditions today, 70-year-old septuagenarian Dan Newman, and I look at my dollar that I have now, and I compare it to the dollar that I had in 2018, 2019, and what I could do with it then compared to what I can or can't do with the dollar now, there is no comparison. Everything is more expensive. Everything is more expensive. I could sit here and we could roll through items and their cost today compared to what it was back then. And these people are up there. And even economists 
or somehow finding a way to spin it to make it sound like our economy, Bidenomics, is really doing okay. Listen to this one. There's that whole question uh, about uh, voters' attitudes towards this thing, and and, uh, the voter attitudes uh, are never a particularly accurate reflection of what's going on in the economy. Uh, And I have to say that, that, that this Biden administration has been so such a huge factor in the economy. Most presidencies are relatively neutral players in the economy. Most presidencies don't dramatically uh, change uh, what's going on uh, in terms of the government's interaction with the economy one way or the other. And I usually don't want to give the presidencies very much credit for what happens, the good things that happen or the bad things that happen in the economy. This is Larry O'Donnell, Lawrence O'Donnell at MSNBC. And you're listening to what he said. That sounded benign enough, didn't it? But what he's doing, he's setting up a professor from Yale, an economist from Yale that's going to tell us just how great it is under Joe Biden. Listen. But this administration has been so active in the economy, uh, you have to really twist it to try to pull them out of the list of uh, where the credit goes for this economy being where it is tonight. Absolutely. It's, and, and across the board, we're seeing the results. There's that confidence that you saw, as you, you, you mentioned, the conference board survey, consumer commerce up 70 percent. But so is it with Wall Street. We have the NASDAQ uh, uh, up, uh, up uh, 50 percent this year. It's pretty, pretty remarkable. And uh, the S&P up 20 percent. Uh, this is uh, everything is, uh, is going in the right direction. The cynicism out there is just something which is being uh, echoed, as, you know, in a in a circular echo chamber of sorts. But it's the the financial facts are something quite different than. Let me ask you this: the financial facts. How many of you do you, do you watch Wall Street every day? Are you one of those people to get up every morning and you turn on CNBC and you leave it on all day long? You're watching your stocks grow and all the money that you're making because of the great Biden economic policies that have been put in there? I don't know anybody. I don't have a single friend that I know that does that. And I certainly don't. Through the years, I've had stocks and bonds and investments, and I've watched them, but I didn't hang on them every day. And I didn't sit there and obsess about it. And let me tell you where these, Lawrence O'Donnell and this Yale professor that you're listening to, they don't have a clue because they're talking about, look at the stock market. Look what the market's doing. Look at the S&P. How, what percentage of the American population is that critical to? And if you say that, the economist will say, oh my gosh, if you've got a retirement of any kind, your retirement is invested in market stuff. So you need to be aware of it. Okay, no. No. Mr. Professor, Mr. Lawrence O'Donnell, who has a nighttime show on MSNBC, and there are some days, and I'm gonna I'm gonna brag a little bit, but there are some days this show has more listeners than his show does on MSNBC. Why is that? The American people, in large part, understand. The left are in the tank, 
and the things that they are saying and trying to sell as being truthful are political perspectives that have been taken by their respective networks and they're selling it to the American people to try to create an overall perception of the Biden administration's quote-unquote success. And I threw up a little bit in my mouth when I said the Biden administration's success because I don't know of any. Nevertheless, facts really don't matter. Substance in anything really doesn't matter to the left. The only thing that matters is the perception that they can paint to trick us all to just forget about looking at our check account balance and our credit card balance and going to the grocery store and paying ridiculous amounts of money for things and in many cases are twice as expensive as they were when Donald Trump was president and don't even get into gas. Lawrence and this Yale professor were just getting started. Then what, you know, what the pollsters put out there, it's the pollsters who got everything wrong in the fall are the same pollsters, basically, who follow the model. If you can't predict accurately or you predict often, they try to w- wash over the fact that, you know, Amy, Amy Walter, the Cook Report, was telling us we're going to have a 35-seat majority Republican Senate. That, that didn't, didn't quite happen, Lawrence. And, uh, and you find that some get intimidated by the cynics in the economics profession. Uh, you see, you know, whether or not it's uh, uh, my, our old friend uh, Larry Summers out there sort of talking down Bidenomics. It's, there's, there's sort of this um, Rudy Giuliani, uh, uh, JFK Jr., Alan Dershowitz, forget-me-not crowd that thinks you get attention by cynicism. Let's just focus on the facts instead of throwing around the ideology. The facts are uniformly positive. We haven't seen an economy like this, and the Biden administration has been more successfully economically interventionist than the than the New Deal, since the New Deal, yes. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. FDR's New Deal. <laughs> the Biden economy is the best thing since FDR, the early 1940s. Can you believe they said that? So you just heard that from MSNBC. I want you to listen to a little bit different spin. And this one's coming from not an economist. It's coming from um, a television commentator. And she's on Fox, Laura Ingram. And I want you to listen to the facts and how she doesn't spin what she's saying compared to what Lawrence O'Donnell and that Yale professor said, which was 100% spin. Working class people are a heck of a lot smarter than politicians and political consultants think they are. Like this man I ran into in Minneapolis yesterday. Bidenomics, they say, is working. It's, it, you know what? Long as you blind. Long as, <laughs> long as you blind, because half of them is like Biden. They can't think. They can't think at all. They can't think straight at all. It's important that 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 people of all race and color need to wake up and look at the issues. It's not about race. On a national level, who could make a difference uh, just to get the economy going? The, again? the only Is person really- can the only person can save our beloved country, this beloved country, is our beloved President Donald Trump. It's important for us to get him reelected so we can get this country back up on the right track. As you see, all these Democrat states like Chicago, Minneapolis, San Francisco, they all got Democrat mayors. And look what's happening. 
that guy should have his own show. And we all know what happened to our once great cities. There's no spinning it. Any honest person who spent time in urban America can see the decay. We can see it with our own eyes. Just like they can see that their own standard of living has declined since Biden took office. My salary has not kept up with inflation, so even though uh, I'm working, I find that my money is buying less and less when I go to the grocery store, gas station, anywhere. The Biden administration came out saying that Bidenomics is working for the middle class. What are your thoughts? It's not. It's not working for my small business. It's not working for our family. I personally was thinking about retirement, and now I'm thinking about how long can I work. Every poll is showing that the economy is the number one issue for the American people. And Biden gets terrible ratings on his handling of the economy, even in the CNN polls. So Republicans, especially Donald Trump, consistently outpoll Democrats on the issue that Biden's weakest on. And this is something that the White House is so worried about that they're now winding Biden up and sending him out to brag about Bidenomics. Now, in the process, he's trying to out-populist Trump on the economy, which is hilarious. Like he was America first first. Let's see if you notice the similarities here. Joe Biden shipped millions of your best jobs overseas, hollowed out the black middle class. They decided to send the jobs overseas where the labor was cheaper. Entire towns and communities got hollowed out. After many years of decline, American manufacturing is coming back bigger and better and stronger than ever before. American manufacturing is back, folks. American manufacturing is back. The United States lost 60,000 factories after China entered the WTO. We know for too long China's dominated the production of raw materials needed for critical products. We're in a real race. China's ahead of us. First, remember Biden has a long history of pretending that he's someone he's not, right? We know that. And second, of course he's going to fake a Trump-like approach to the economy because Trump's policies actually work. And because Biden's numbers are in the toilet, look, the facts are undeniable here. Americans were making more when Trump was president, and they felt more optimistic about the future. Barely any inflation, low energy prices, it all meant happier and more hopeful families. Meanwhile, the progress that Biden was out touting today in Maine, it's a fantasy. Inflation may be declining slightly, but big deal since he's the one who punished us with inflation in the first place. And the recent slight improvement in our GDP certainly wouldn't have been possible without the red states that are filled with all those MAGA Republicans Biden thinks are so terrible working as hard as they have. It's because those governors in those red states rejected lockdowns and frankly, the entire Biden approach to COVID. And of course, at the same time, they're pushing pro-growth policies, all those policies that Biden hates. So Biden right now is trying to be both a globalist and a populist, but it doesn't work. In the past month, Blinken, Kerry, and Yellen all traveled to China, not to help Main Street, but to reassure Wall Street. Look, you can't be a populist and suck up to the CCP at the same time. And Biden's supposed support for Made in America today, it's all just talk. He already told the EU that he was going to tweak the Made in America provisions that would hurt their imports that he inserted in that so-called Inflation Reduction Act. So those are out the window. In the real world, facts are facts. 
And despite Democrat spins on the economy, look, reality bites here. Courtesy of Biden's destructive domestic and foreign policy, gasoline is now at an eight-month high as Russia now is working with OPEC to drive down supply. And all of us who go to the grocery store know that food costs are still way up. They're up a year ago. Bread, frozen vegetables, pet food, all of it. It's a joke. And it's all on Biden's shoulders. And who can't help but notice the spike in homelessness all across America? It's heartbreaking and it's infuriating and it should not be happening in the United States of America. But sadly, that's what you get more of with a bad economy and an open border. Yet the insulated elites in the media, they're still flummoxed that Joe and Kamala aren't getting economic credit. The economy seems to be doing fairly well. Why is it that so many people are walking around in this country today saying it's terrible? It takes a long time for people to get over uh, economic shocks of bad news. When they see a lot of inflation, they assume it's bad for them. They kept hearing reports for the last year and a half that we are headed into a recession. That that kind of fear, plus I think the, stre the stress from COVID, that's really held um, Biden's economy numbers down. Yeah, people are down on the economy because they're hearing reports that we're going into recession? Really? Again, they think you're that stupid. Now, we all know that Americans who are well off, they can absorb the obscene increases in food, travel, and energy costs. But Biden's policies, we know, caused all this. But for the vast majority, it's all just more hardship. And for those who are living paycheck to paycheck, it's all they think about. And people wonder... Gosh, why does Trump have such a hold on GOP voters? Why does he have such a loyal following? Well, first, because he has a record of delivering a strong economy. And second, because for the most part, he's the only candidate really focusing on the economy. So many young people here are being utterly extinguished. In the Biden economy, one third of Gen Z and millennials have no savings accounts and no saving whatsoever. They have nothing. He's absolutely right about that. And he's laid out a clear economic agenda. When I'm back in the White House, I will immediately unleash energy production, slash regulations like I did just three years ago, and repeal Biden's tax hikes to get inflation down as fast as possible. And it will go quickly so that interest rates can get back under control. I built the greatest economy in the history of the world, and now we will have to do it again. Check out the headline that I found today when I was writing the angle from 2018. Trump has set economic growth on fire. Here's how he did it. Well, during his time in office, the economy had achieved feats most experts thought impossible. GDP growing at 3% plus rate, the unemployment rate near a 50-year low. Meanwhile, the stock market has jumped 27%, they wrote, amid a surge in corporate profits. Yeah, that's where we were. It took a China-generated pandemic to stop the Trump juggernaut. Now, the amazing thing is that everyone did better than blue-collar workers, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, everyone. But if the Republicans leave this lane, this economic lane open for Biden's message uh, in, uh, on the economy that somehow things are all getting better and he gets all the credit, if they forget to remind everyone that real wages are down 3% from February 2021, and if they get caught up in the debate over cultural issues, I am telling you tonight, they will be disappointed in the results in 2024. 
And believe me, as important as it is to get to the bottom of the Biden family corruption, and I think it's really important, that effort should not overshadow serious work on the pocketbook issues that are most important to the voters. Trump is in the lead now by a lot because Trump has credibility on the top concern of Americans in both parties today. The American dream is dead under Biden. We will have the American dream back very soon. We will rapidly rebuild the greatest economy in the history of the world. This is what the voters want, more money in their pockets and jobs that are not going to be shipped overseas. So here's a novel idea. Let's give this message to all of them in all 50 states, in inner city Philadelphia, here in Minneapolis, in Los Angeles, and Chicago. No city or state left behind. And that's the angle. So you heard a lot of facts there. Now, let me do what you just heard from former President Trump and Laura. Let me put it in perspective today, the reality today. Bidenomics. Yesterday, trucking giant Yellow. You see their trucks, you've seen them all over the United States all the time. 30,000 employees. Yesterday, they shuttered it. They shut it down. The closure is the biggest in terms of jobs and revenue in the U.S. trucking industry. That's according to the Wall Street Journal. And by the way, the company got $700 million in federal COVID relief funds back in 2020. And it's going to file bankruptcies doing so this morning and is in talks to sell off all or parts of the business. So why Why would, if the economy is so good, all these jobs are coming back, manufacturing, that means we got goods and stuff to ship like we've never had before. Joe Biden's done all this for us. If all of that stuff Joe says is true, why would this very successful 100-year-old firm that is known for its competitive pricing has more than 12,000 trucks that are shipping freight across the U.S. for brands including Walmart and Home Depot, why are they going out of business? Well, in recent years, Yellow has struggled under the weight of, guess what, a highly contentious relationship with the Teamster Union. Hundreds of non-Yellow employees were laid off on Friday from the Nashville, Tennessee company. 22,000 Teamster members were told Friday their jobs hung in the balance. And so yesterday morning, the company sent out notices to customers and employees saying it was ceasing all operations yesterday at noon. Since 2021, Yellow has implemented a cost-cutting plan that executives hoped would put the business back on track. The company's circumstances became all the more dire as shipping demand across the freight sector declined substantially this year. Last week, Yellow, which had $5.2 billion in revenue last year, narrowly avoided a driver's strike by Teamster Union members after failing to make a $50 million payment for employee benefits. The company had a 30-day period to catch up on pension and benefits payments. Last week, 
last week, this all came to a head. Teamsters, they blame the executives for poor management. Teamsters have kept this company afloat for more than a decade through billions of dollars in wage, pension, and work rule concessions. Yellow couldn't manage itself, and it wasn't up to Teamsters to do it for them. That's the Teamsters, folks. And, of course, the Teamsters, they know more about operating businesses than do businesses. After all, they're the Teamsters are well-known for destroying as many businesses as they prop up, which they seldom do. Stan Konazuski is a union leader for Teamsters Local 294. He said it was a sad day for the freight industry. He said the union will be there with whatever support we can give, helping them file unemployment claims, trying to find them new jobs. You can't put 30,000 people on the beach in one day. And everybody knows unions today are way out of date. Back in the early 1900s, the late 1800s, when corporations were just taking horrible advantage over their workers, it was almost absolutely necessary to have unions to protect the workers. But now what do unions do? Well, the union big shots, they make millions of dollars. And guess who else loves unions? Democrats running for Congress. They get millions and millions of dollars of campaign dollars. And where does that money come from? It comes from those workers. Those workers. And those workers, by the way, when they pay their union dues, legally, they can't say where the union campaign contributions are going to go. The employee has no choice. The unions just do it for them. You can point fingers, you can place blame, but all that matters, 30,000 yellow employees are on the beach today. You're driven all night. Everyone has one. The guy that's fun to be around, but he's dangerous to be around. You've got to keep him away from your things, like your tools, your gadgets, and your girlfriend. So before you get your juvenile mate around, get your lips around a Dare Ice Coffee. The real Arabica and Robusta Coffee Kick will tell you what to do. Hire a jumping castle. Hours of fun for kids of all ages. A Dare Ice Coffee Fix will fix it. What are you doing? Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, here's Bud Light. And a chainsaw. Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo. But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing. None of this makes sense. 
Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember their naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are Sunmate's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmate's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade snacks. You know what, if you're one of those very few people that are better off under Bidenomics than you were under what we had under former President Donald Trump, um, you just need to understand this. It doesn't really matter how good it is. You're in the great minority of people that are doing good or doing better. Open your eyes. Look at everything. Weigh the information objectively instead of just being all in the tank for one thing or one belief just because somebody gives it to you and props it up as being good. Find the facts. How about that? Speaking of sad facts, bad news coming out of Akron, Ohio. Not a single eighth grader, not one, at the I Promise School in Akron, Ohio has passed their state math test in three years. Now, this is a private school. I Promise School, founded by LeBron James. LeBron James, the NBA superstar. When LeBron dropped into Akron with great fanfare and media coverage back in 2018, promising to fund a new sort of school to help educate young people in his hometown, Many hailed LeBron as just the savior the city needed. But did James' I Promise School fulfill its promises? Test scores sadly say that it hasn't. Now, by the way, even Akron school board members are beginning to question James' commitment to actually provide real education, wondering if it was more than burnishing his reputation as a philanthropist than a serious effort to reform and reinvigorate education in Akron. So last week, members of the Akron School Board began taking a closer look at James' so-called I Promise School and found that real academic achievements are few and far between. The state of Ohio, by the way, also found some problems. Two of I Promise's biggest subgroups of students, black students, and those with disabilities are now testing in the bottom 5% in the state, landing the school on the Ohio Department of Education's list of those requiring targeted intervention. Akron School Board President Derek Hall said he was disappointed by the school's serious deficits. For me as a board member, I just think all the resources that we're providing and I just, I'm just disappointed that I don't think, it doesn't appear like we're seeing the kind of change that we would expect to see. Keith Lichty, the Akron School District's Director of School Improvement, said, it's discouraging. James School makes airy assertions about how important education is on its website on a page touting its 
I promise method. Here's what it says. With education as the driving force of change, the LeBron James Family Foundation is not only spreading the impact and improving lives of inner-city students and families, but also shifting the course of an entire community. Focusing on his hometown of Akron, the Foundation's I Promise program provides year-round resources, access to opportunities, supportive skill development, constant encouragement, and other wraparound supports more than 1,300 Akron public school students who have all been guaranteed college scholarships if they do their part. These efforts have culminated in the groundbreaking new public school, the I Promise School, that is taking an innovative approach to providing a challenging, supportive, and life-changing education, creating a new model for urban public education. James got a bunch more media praise for dropping into Akron in 2018 to announce his grand school funding ideas. This is a huge moment. Not only in my life, he said, not only in my family's lives, not only in the foundation's life, but for these kids and for the whole city of Akron, more importantly. This is a huge moment for all of us. You know, not always when a superstar in athletics or even a music giant or any other really, really well-known actor or people that are just in the public eye and the public draw their own opinions about the person, but anytime they get involved in a cause, and typically it's with their money because they've got a lot of it, they've been very successful, being successful doesn't mean you know everything. Being successful at one thing in a career, and nobody can argue that LeBron James is extremely over-the-top successful in basketball. In fact, his success, his achievements rival those of Michael Jordan that many people, including me, thought nobody would ever be able to test. LeBron, he may not be in a class of his own by himself. He may not be. But if he's not the only one in the class, it doesn't take long to call class roll. I can tell you that. But that doesn't automatically interpret into success in other areas other than the ones that he and others like him have been very successful in. And that's sad. And these kids are paying the price. Not a single eighth grader in three years has passed a state math test. Something's not right there. A sad story to tell you about now. A transsexual Canadian, post-operation transsexual Canadian, has requested that the socialized healthcare system in Canada provide an assistant suicide lethal injection in order to end a long-term suffering and pain from a surgery to manufacture a neo-vagina. Lois Cardinal, a self-described sterilized First Nations post-op transsexual, has expressed immense regret over a 2009 surgery to create an imitation vagina out of an inverted penis, saying that euthanasia would be preferable to the constant pain 
from that novel operation. The aftermath of the surgery often leaves many in pain, with the resulting neo-vagina effectively being an open wound that needs to be dilated daily to stop it from closing. Cardinal said this in an interview, I'm in constant discomfort and pain. It's taking this psychological burden on me. If I'm not able to access proper medical care, I don't want to continue to do this. So Cardinal applied for Canada's MAID, that's Medical Assistance in Dying Euthanasia Program. However, despite the progressive socialized healthcare system being one of the most liberal in providing assisted suicide, the 35-year-old Alberta resident has initially been rejected. Based on current clinical information and consultations, this patient does not meet current criteria, the doctor wrote. In medical documents released by Cardinal on social media, one doctor wrote that based on current clinical information and consultations, this patient does not meet current criteria. It's believed that the transsexual individual did not qualify for the euthanasia program, which is open to those who are suffering from incurable diseases or disabilities, as there are options to mitigate the pain from that sex change surgery. The case has, according to opponents, demonstrated the pitfalls of not only transgender surgery, but of the 2021 liberalization of the euthanasia laws in Canada, which has opened the way for an estimated record 13,500 state-backed suicides last year. That's up from 10,064 in 2021. Campaigners have raised concerns that more people like Cardinal will apply for the program rather than the traditionally terminally ill patients. So Cardinal argued that euthanasia is the only option left as the numbing cream prescribed did not ease the pain caused by the surgically constructed vagina. I'm not getting any better, nor am I experiencing better medical care or any medical care, Cardinal said. It's so captured by gender ideologies that they care more about my pronouns. Cardinal has become an active critic of the radical LGBT ideology and has warned that children and other vulnerable Canadians, including Cardinal's native community, are susceptible to falling prey to a trend that is medicalized. I do not agree with the current rhetoric of the trans community, Cardinal said. A lot of the so-called trans hate is fueled by the trans community because we aren't allowed to have honest and tough conversations. This month, researchers from the University of Florida and Brooks Rehab released a study, and the study claimed that four out of five, that's 81% of people who have had sex change genital surgery over the past five years, 81% have experienced long-standing pain following surgery. They also found that 57% reported finding sexual intercourse a painful experience in the wake of their surgery. Now, how do you counter that? If you're in the medical profession or if you're in the transsexual political spectrum, 
How do you counter that? Here's a person that thought they were doing the right thing. They were taught. They were told, hey, we can do this. Two weeks ago, we we published a story here that came from an insider at the number one hospital in the nation for transsexual operations up in Portland, Oregon. And we heard stories like this that were gut-wrenching. Nobody wants to talk about the downside of transsexualism and transsurgery. Nobody wants to tell us about it. Last week, we played the congressional hearing with one transgender young person that is in the process now of detransitioning and he see he she talked under oath and you heard it here at TNN live about the horrors that have been experienced by the over politicized trans community at selling transgenderism in an unrealistic unfair fashion to millions of young people that are listening and basically they're taking the approach fly by the seat of your pants if it works out great if it doesn't hey we'll just undo it hate to end a show on a sad note but that's a sad note but it's real folks it's real more facts we learn the better decisions we can make it's a wrap on Monday. Thank you for being here with us every day at TNN Live. We love you and we appreciate it. We never take you for granted. And so I know, you know, I like a lot of music and I love the group Chicago. This is one of their best ever, back from I think 1970. Does anybody really know what time it is? Have a great Monday. We'll see you tomorrow morning at TNN Live. Street one.